Welcome to the Rise Method podcast, where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve. Let's jump in. What's up, guys? Coach Steve here. Welcome back to another episode of the Rise Method podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined with Laura. Laura, how are we doing today? Good. Thank you for having me back again. Yes. Well, look, we needed our resident human to right. chime in for today's episode where, 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 we, where we are, where we, where we, where we, okay, we. thank you, resident <laughs> human for correcting me there, uh, where we are going to be talking about diets, some popular diets and how those popular diets may work for people who are trying to lose weight. Mm, hot topic. Yeah. Hot topic. Yeah. Now, first thing to appreciate when we look at dieting is that it does have a pop culture associated to it. Yes. You know, you scroll through Instagram, you scroll through Facebook, you're on the TikToks or the, the YouTube, TikToks. whatever's whatever's popular now, you'll find popular diets. And there are common diets that are kind of like a season. You know, it's kind of like fashion. They, they come in, mm. people talk about them, they leave, they come back, you know, maybe a few months, a few years later, they, 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 they cycle through. Others, different brands, different, yeah, different it. haircuts. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, there's some that, that, that come, that have their popularity and then they leave in a, in a nice big, big bang, right? And then others, yeah, they just, they just cycle and come back, right? And for example, within the Rise community, there was an upsurgence of intermittent fasting, of time restricted eating. Uh, lots of folks messaging me about time restricted eating, my thoughts on it, uh, if they should do intermittent fasting and such. So that's one diet we're going to talk about today. But, you know, you will see a range of different diets pop up in your feeds online, and you've probably experienced and trialed different diets in your time. And the thing when it comes to different dieting strategies is that most of them work. Yeah. Okay? Most of them work, one, if you follow them, right? And and two, if they follow an underlying principle, yeah? And that principle is that we are restricting our energy intake. So, we're just consuming less energy. And there's, you know, different ways that we could do that. It's it's kind of like, you know, saving money. Like, there's, there's different areas in your life that you might focus on trying to save money. Like, maybe you're trying to save money that you spend on your car. So, you're, you're driving less or maybe trying to fill up uh, at different times to get different prices on petrol and stuff. You're trying to save money within your car or maybe within your, your household or you're trying to focus on your own personal spending or your, your family spending, right? So, there's different strategies or areas that you could focus on. It's very similar with dieting where some folks would focus on different macronutrients, some folks would focus on different times that they eat or different ways they consume food. And as long as it reaches the goal of consuming less energy measured through calories, that's how we measure energy, then you're going to see weight loss, okay? Now, Laura, have you had any experiences with any weird and and wild diets? Like, you know, I remember I had a, a housemate who fell down a bit of a, a trap about detoxing and then oh, went through the detoxing, this- the juicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this individual, you know, really wanted to lose weight. And this was uh, kind of a time when I was early in my PT PT days, and they went through the honey, cayenne pepper, oh, right, yeah, yeah. craze, and that's all that they ate. And it was this really weird protocol where every like you know four or six hours they were allowed like X amount of honey and 
X amount of like cayenne pepper because the idea was like the the cayenne pepper is like spicy and that's meant to like boost your metabolism, make yeah, you sweat a bit. I remember reading about that right. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got like really like popular, and yeah, they, they didn't last very long. They didn't have a really great time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's an example of like a, a diet that kind of appears and yeah, it goes right. Mm. But detoxes like you know keep popping its its head up. Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's um a lot of the juice detoxes. One thing sort of comes to mind is the um that lemon water. Yeah. So you have the lemon water as soon as you wake up. Mm-hmm. I believe before you go to bed or whatever the situation is. The lemon water is there any truth behind having the lemon water before or as soon as you wake up, Coach Steve. No, no, not at all. Well, like lemon it's itself is refreshing, of yeah, course. Yeah. And you know maybe you can go down a bit of a rabbit hole. We look at the citrus or maybe the vitamin C in the lemon and be like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's hydrating effects and yada, yada, yada. But nothing within the lemon is actually affecting our metabolism, right? Probably like, healthy for us, sure, yeah. You know, drink lemon water or like, you know, it's, it's different juices and such. Sure, there's different nutrients in there. You might as well just eat the lemon flesh as well and the orange mm. flesh, sure. But I think things like that approach, you know, if you replaced your morning breakfast, let it be... What's what's a typical Australian breakfast these days? You know, let's say you're having like you know wheat beaks, with toast on the go, with toast on the go, and then yeah, overnight oats the massive thing. Overnight oats, yeah. So let's say that's your normal breakfast. Uh, you know, maybe like between three five hundred plus calories in that that mm-hmm. meal. Yep. If you replace that with lemon water, yeah, right. right. Yeah, you're yeah. just now not consuming three to five hundred calories yeah. extra per day. And sure, you might be a little bit hungry later. You might eat a little bit more. But if everything else was uniform like if you had the same lunch same dinner but you just like replaced your breakfast with lemon water you're then consuming 500 calories less for the day right so if you looked at that instance in isolation and you had two people one person went on their lemon water instead of breakfast another one ate their breakfast the lemon water person is going to lose weight yeah so then as an outsider you're going to be like oh it's the lemon water it's working right Mm. but we know that yeah it's just because they didn't didn't eat food Mm. right um so it does kind of get in the realm of a bit of like critical thinking where you go, well, like, why? Was it the lemon water? Mm-hmm. Was it like the magical blessing on the water? Was it like some homeopathy strategy? No, no, no. It's mainly the bigger principle of you consumed fewer calories than you did before and that led to weight loss. And I think that's a massive thing with any diet is that, well, yeah, of course, this juicing detox is going to work or this, you know, having your soup or the broths or whatever detox should doing because ultimately you're consuming less calories mm-hmm. you might be adding some more exercising because you're going down the detoxing and the the weight loss journey yes i think that's just the the thing yeah yeah and i think you just nailed it there where it's really powerful like if you committed to a community of people who were uh, detoxing or juicing or following you know insert popular diet here mm. you kind of change your identity you change your behaviors it's like oh well you know if i'm doing the juicing thing i'm gonna go and do the exercise as well like you know it's, i'm gonna waste the juicing if i didn't go and exercise so it might not be the juicing itself but like you changing your behaviors when you're like, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do that that stretch. I'm going to do that workout. I'm going to go to the gym now. I'm going to catch up with my friend and go for the walk because I'm doing the juicing. Mm. I'm going to do the other things as well. Yeah. So you kind of changed it all. You've changed the whole package of your environment. So in that regard, does does juicing in isolation cause weight loss? No. Like unless we're consuming few, fewer calories, and I would argue that you might consume more calories by juicing it because you're consuming – it's really easy to consume a lot of mm. calories when you're drinking it. Right. If you ate like five apples, probably pretty full, right? But if you juice five apples, you can drink that really easily. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, so it's really easy to consume calories there, not 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 feel the effects of that. And then, you know, some folks have really great experiences with like juicing and detoxing because the digestion side of things mm. where they feel great because, you know, they're drinking it, that body doesn't really have to digest it, they don't feel like sluggish and, you know, like heavy after you've kind of eaten a meal. So you feel good, you're going to go exercise. So it's a little bit of like a, well, yeah, you might feel more energetic, more likely to go for a walk. So the net outcome is that you're losing weight. Great. Was it the juicing in isolation? No, it might have been like every part of it, right? So, with that idea in mind, I want to talk about three common, most popular, most cyclical, meaning that they come in their seasons, types of diets that gain their popularity, maybe go in the shadows, reappear, come out of the shadows. And that's going to be low-carb diets, mm-hmm. where we talk about time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting, yep. and plant-based diets. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yep. So, we're starting with low-carb diets. Have you heard that before, Laura? Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I've scrolled past it a few times today on social media. Absolutely. So, probably the uh, most common approach to dieting, and I think it got really popular because you see, you know, celebrities talking about it. You yeah. see it in movies, you see it on TV, you see it in magazines, you see it on social media. So, whenever you think dieting, it's like, oh, well, I've got to drop the carbs. Mm. I've got to skip the carbs, the carbs, carbs, the carbs. Carbs that make me fat. Now, the thing is, carbs are a macronutrient. And it's no different to any other macronutrient in that it provides calories, right? One gram of carbohydrate is four calories. That's the same as protein. One gram of protein is four calories. So, if you are consuming carbs, you're just consuming calories. And if you are having excess number of calories, you gain weight. If you're having fewer calories than you need, you lose weight, right? Simple, simple idea. So, when we're looking at a low-carb diet, we're choosing to reduce our carb intake. And then still sticking to our calorie goal, we're either choosing to increase our fat intake or increasing our protein intake. And when we start talking about different ratios of carbs to fats to proteins, that's kind of in the realm of, you know, the Atkins diet, which you might have heard of, the keto diet, which you might have heard of. Keto, I have heard of, yes. Paleo is kind of thrown in there as well as kind of like a low carb. They they tend to be of, of low carbs. So there's different kind of like, areas within the low-carb umbrella, right? And the ultimate idea with with low-carbs is that we're reducing the carb intake relative to the fat and protein intake. Now, low-carb diets work if the the total calories are still under our requirements. So, you can have people that follow low-carb diets but then also increase their fat intakes so much so that they then having hypercaloric intake, more calories than they need. Okay. Yeah. And you might see it in uh, people who put, you know, sticks of butter in their coffee. Have you seen that before? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's called the, quote, bulletproof coffee, Mm. right? So, those folks are like, oh, well, you know, fats are good for me. Fats going to help me lose fat. Or if I eat more fats, then I'm burning more fats, right? Because, you know, if you add a a bit of wood to the fire, it's going to burn that yeah, wood, right? Yeah, so, if you're yeah. consuming more fats, it's going to, you're going to burn more fats, sure. Mm-hmm. So, some folks will go overboard adding olive oil to everything, adding butter to everything, and then we find that fats have a much higher calorie per gram to carbs, right? So, then we are consuming a lot of calories when we drizzle you know, olive oil. So, if you have a salad and you drizzle olive oil over it, you could be adding an extra you know, 100, 200 calories of fats to the meal just by adding that extra 
dressing. And you're going to eat it all because that's tasty. That's right. That's right. So, let's talk about why a low-carb diet can be helpful. And we've seen success in in, in numbers with people following low-carb diets. So, it's a powerful diet and it, and it works well, right? One, you know, you just don't eat a macronutrient. So, out of the, the three, technically four different macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats, mm-hmm. and then ethanol, that fourth one, you just take one away. So, you're only really having proteins and fats. And the reason why is because fats are important for hormone production, also important for us to absorb vitamins and minerals. So, we need fats in our life. Protein, really important to build muscle, maintain muscle, but then also plays a big part in different functions in the body, like brain health, heart health, immune health, digestive system, that stuff, right? But carbs is the primary source of energy. So, we can survive without carbohydrate. We can't survive long without protein and fats, but we can survive without carbohydrates. So, it's easy mental decision to be like, well, yeah, I don't need carbs, so I don't need carbs. Take yeah, it away. take it away. Take it away. So, great. Take it away. Then it works. What then happens is when we look at the food groups that are high in carbs, they're often the foods that are the most tasty. Yes. So, we're talking about pizza. Pizza, the we're pasta. Talking about pastas. Yep. We're talking about rices. We're talking about lollies and chocolate and soda and muffins and cakes, all these foods really high in mm, carbs. Yeah. So, you can have these foods if you want to, but how hard is it to stop it a serving of pasta, especially when the pasta is, you know, like the size of your palm, right? That would be a serving of pasta, but most of us are having like two or three servings of pasta because it's really easy to consume, really easy to overeat. Same as like, you know, chocolate and lollies and sweets are mm. uh, cake and, and, and muffins, these foods really easy to overconsume, and for a lot of us, we don't have the discipline to, to limit ourselves. So, if you had a hard and fast rule, I don't eat carbs, great, I just don't have those foods. You're unlikely to overeat on those foods. Um, and then what, you replace that carbohydrate with another type of food, let's say like a, a carrot. And sure, carrots have carbs in them, but very small amounts relative. So, you, you munching away on a carrot, you're unlikely to overeat on a, on a carrot as a, as a, as a snack yeah. versus having a chocolate bar, right? So, this works really well for people. Hard and fast rule, I don't eat carbs, less likely to overconsume. Yeah. Right? Much easier when you go out and you're looking at a menu at a restaurant, you can just eliminate those pasta, pizza columns. Yeah, yeah. And just stick to one section, not be mm-hmm. tempted. Yeah. Yeah. So, when we look at like long-term success in diets, if there's a really simple rule that is just really straightforward, and sure, the, the, the hurdle is learning what is carbs, what foods are, have carbs in them, right? Where most of us, you know, get an idea. But once you know, okay, you know, breads and pasta and rice, okay, just know, then it makes decisions easy. Then if I said, hey, you, you can lose weight, but you've got to count calories, you're like, oh, geez, I, I just don't know what's what, where's where, I've got to put into an app, right? it's a lot. But if you just say, lot, yeah. I just don't do that, great. It's really simple, easy to approach. And for some people, long term, it could be great. It's like, that's just the rule I follow. That's it. It's over. Now, when it comes to dieting, low-carb diets have a, a, a special power, a little superpower. A oh, superpower. Oh, superpower. Yeah. It doesn't make you fly. Right, doesn't yeah. make you invisible, invisible. Or, or super strength. <laughs> if anything, it does the opposite of super strength. But what happens is when you start a low carb diet, you lose a lot of weight really quickly. Okay. Yep. So when we're looking at like the physiology of carbohydrates, when we break a carbohydrate down to its smallest molecule, we have a sugar molecule. Right, sugar floating around the bloodstream is called glucose. But sugar also gets deposited into our muscle belly, 
okay? And that's okay. called glycogen. Yep. Right? Now, it's important that's in the muscle belly for when we go and do exercise activities walking around, it's right there for the muscle to just break down and use that glucose. Yeah. Right, okay. Now, when we don't have carbohydrate intakes readily available, our blood sugar level slowly comes down. Our body has really advanced mechanisms where it builds it back up. It breaks down fats and proteins to get the blood sugar levels up because our brain loves sugar. But what happens is we start to decrease the amount of sugar that's in the muscle belly, that glycogen. Now, glycogen to be stored in your muscle belly also needs water to be stored in there as well. So, when we don't have that sugar being deposited into the muscle, our muscle uses that, gets rid of the water. The muscles look a little bit smaller and then because the water isn't in the muscle, the muscle is also lighter. Right, okay. On the scales, if you went low-carb diet, you know, one week, two weeks within a month, you will find, hey, wow, I've lost five kilos, right? That is unlikely body fat. That's likely just water fluids with that was within the muscle. And your muscle might be visibly smaller because it doesn't have that extra stores. Yeah. Because when you look at the just the math of weight loss, you know, one kilo of body fat is around, you know, 9,000 calories. So for you to lose, let's say, a kilo a week, you know, that's the equivalent of like two, 1,200 calories per day in a deficit. That right, you, okay. That you're, that you're losing. It's quite a lot. That's a lot. That's a That's lot. big. Especially when, let's say, like myself, maybe 3,000 calories a day to maintain that, I would be then consuming 1,800 calories. Yeah, right? right. Which, you know, for me right now, might be like, you know, two meals within the day, right? With no snacks, no breakfast, no nothing, right? So, that that that's a very small amount of food. A very small amount of food for you. Right. So, you know, if to, if for, for you to lose a kilo a week and then you say, oh, within a month I lost five kilos, well, geez, you're now talking like, you know, maybe 1,500 calories of a deficit per day. Mm-hmm. If you are, you know, 70 kilos, mid-30s, female, at 160 centimeters tall, like- You're seen. Right. That, <laughs> that's a very big percentage of your body weight, right? Mm-hmm. Your cal- your calories per day might only need to be maybe 2,000 calories, right? And you're at a 1,500 calorie deficit. So, you're what, going to consume 500 calories. The math doesn't add up there, right? So, the superpower in that though, because it backs the superpower, is if you lose five kilos in a month, you're like crazy motivated, right? Oh, you've seen big, you've pulled big numbers. You've pulled big numbers. Yeah. You're like, wow, what I'm doing is working. Yeah, I've yeah. lost five kilos in a month. Yeah. You might be feeling like shit, sure. Your muscles might be a little bit smaller, sure. But if you see the number on the scale go down, five kilos in a month, amazing, this is working, that's motivation to keep going at it. And when we're talking about the balance of sustainability and, like, you know, motivation, a sustainable rate lo- a weight loss rate is, you know, 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week, right? If you're 60 kilos, that's like 300 to 600 grams a week that we're looking okay. at, at for, yeah. for weight loss as a, as a sustainable target. And that might not be super motivating. You know, you've been working hard, you've been dieting every day, you've been tracking your steps, you've been going to the gym, you look at your progress over the week, you've lost 300 grams mm. on average if you're, if you're measuring it out. Like, that might not be enough to be like, wow, like this thing is really worth the effort that I'm putting in now that I'm seeing this. But on the flip side, if you start your dieting process, you know, maybe 75 kilos or so, you lose five kilos in a month, you're like, wow, this is amazing. It's working. I'm going to keep going. You know, all the things that I'm doing, I'm, I'm you know, 
I'm hungry all the time. I'm doing my steps. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking my food. I'm, I'm getting my, my walking in, my water in, my sleep, all the good stuff. It's working. That's really motivating. And that's a superpower that comes with low carb diets that don't work the same way with other dieting protocols. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's why folks have some really great success. And one reason why it becomes really popular because, oh, wow, I can get fast results. And But is it sustainable? Well. I guess it could be if you're removing a whole food group. Well, the question is, like, who is this sustainable for? Yeah. Right? There are folks that, you know, simply don't like eating carbs. Mm. As crazy as that sounds, they just don't prefer it, right? You know, Maybe they don't like eating chocolates and lollies and sweets and they maybe don't lean towards, you know, pastas and rice dishes. Maybe they like a traditional, you know, steak and veg, right? Maybe like they like a roast with, you know, some roast potatoes and stuff. Like, sure, potatoes are carbs, sure. But like maybe they choose different types of foods and that's just their go-to and that's what they they like and they prefer. So, it really comes down to preference. And for some people, this can be sustainable long-term is to reduce carbohydrate intake. And we're talking about the the percentage of it, right? Mm. If you're doing something like a 40-30-30 split, meaning like protein, carbs, fats, that's kind of like low carb because it's 30% carbs is in your macro intake. But, you know, you could drop that down to 20 or 10% or 5% or maybe looking at like 50 grams of carbs a day. Like there's different levels of low carb, right? And I think when it just comes down to the simple rule-based idea, like that can be really helpful for some folks. It's like, hey, I can do this diet forever. It's really simple. Just don't eat carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it all really does depend. Yeah. I guess it's probably easy for family and friends to support you when they're putting on like a, a brunch or a lunch. They know exactly what you're not going to eat. Yeah. So, to be like, oh, what is it? Is does that is that plant-based? Yeah. Is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, talking a little bit more about limitations, one, of course, is that you go through a very steep fatigue process. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Because, you know, things like your muscle belly doesn't have the sugar ready to go. Or you don't have the same level of like blood sugar. So your your brain is like, oh geez, where's this this sugar? You know, you may experience lots of lethargy, fatigue, tiredness. And some people can't cope with that, right? So, you know, you might last a week or two and you're like, this this is shit. Right. There is light on the other end of that where your body gets better at breaking down fats and breaking down proteins for sugar. And that's a fancy word is called gluconeogenesis, meaning gluco is the glucose, the sugar, neo meaning new, and genesis meaning creation. So, your body gets better at that process. So, after a period of time, you know, could be two weeks, could be a month, could be two months, three months, you get better at it and you find that you might have a bit more energy than before because you now have more sugar floating around in your blood because your body is better at breaking down fats. Okay. So, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but that fatigue a lot of folks can't make make it through, okay? If you're restricting foods that are high in energy, that can affect things like your training performance. Yeah, so, right. you know, if you had like let's say a banana, right, lots of sugars in a banana, really easy to digest, enters the bloodstream, you kind of get a little bit of a buzz from mm-hmm. banana, banana, banana buzz. <laughs> and, you know, you go to the gym, you can have a really great workout because you're like, oh, great, I'm, you know, hyped up from this banana. If you take that away... And you're now having like some chicken and some almonds before you go and train. You kind of don't have that same like little sugar rush that could lead to a really great workout, right? So, chronically over time, that can affect our performance in the gym, our stimulus in the gym, and then the potential muscle building effects of that. So, that 
uh, needs to be in consideration because if we're not getting the same muscle stimulus, then we're, we're, we're losing muscle. And if we're losing muscle, our metabolism starts to decrease. So then the overall calories that we need for the day slowly comes down, right? So then you need to restrict your calories even further to continue to see results. And it's a bit of a negative cycle with that. You lose yeah. more muscle, you do, you consume less food, you lose more muscles, you consume less food. Next thing you know, you're, you're eating next to nothing and you're not losing weight and you're not sure where, 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 where you've gone wrong, right? And then the other, other side of it is that if you don't have that same level of like constant energy rush from consuming carbs, you're less likely to go and want to you know, clean the house or go for a walk or do physical activity, then your step count decreases. And then again, your metabolism decreases and you get that negative feedback loop again. So there's definitely some strong benefits and some limitations in, in low-carb diets. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. We have time-restricted eating. And you'll find that there are some similar themes with time-restricted eating to low-carb. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And often people pair the two. Yeah, where they'll go through time-restricted eating and low-carb because, ah, oh, okay, get the best of all worlds and throw it in the Right. Okay? So, what is time-restricted eating? Simply that you are restricting the window of time that you eat food and the window of time can, can vary. So, some folks might start or most normal, quote, normal people that are following the standard food intakes, not even on like a specific diet, they might follow something like a 12-12 eating window, meaning that they finish eating at you know, 7 p.m., they, you know, get ready for bed, they go to sleep, and then they have breakfast at 7 a.m. So, they're not eating for that, like, 12 hours throughout the day. And that might be something that's normal. So, that would be, like, a 12-12 window. Then we start to get into, like, this time-restricted eating where you might go that you're, you're eating within a 10-hour a window and then you're kind of fasting or not eating in, like, a 14-hour window and then you slowly restrict it more and more where you're eating in an eight-hour window, a 16-hour period where you're not eating, and then down to maybe like a six or eight, six, 18 window or even like a 4-20 window. Yeah, right? wow. And some people even down all the way to like one meal a day type people where they would only eat one meal a day, maybe lunchtime, and that, that's their, their food intake, right? And, you know, there's lots of theories why folks would choose to fast, where they're talking about autophagy or they're talking about, you know, the the health benefits of, you know, fasting and the longevity effects of lasting and stuff. And there's a deep rabbit holes you could fall down. But when it comes to weight loss, time-restricted eating works really well because it's that simple idea of simple rules and you simply say, I don't eat at these times. So, if you say after 6 p.m., I don't eat hard and fast and then I don't eat until... 12 o'clock the next day, midday, you know, that would be something like a six-hour eating window. So, you're eating from midday to 6 p.m. That's the only time that you're allowed to eat food and then you don't eat food for the 18 hours, right? If that is like a simple hard and fast rule for yeah. your life, you're not snacking at night, you're not going to the fridge at, you know, 8 p.m. to grab like the ice cream to eat, sit down and watch Netflix, you're not, you know, eating breakfast, you're going to work and you're not having the morning teas, the cakes, the lollies, the sweets, the snacks in between, you then eat from 12 until 6, you grab, have your normal lunch, your normal thing, and some benefits in time restricted eating where people have more freedom to choose what they like, where, you know, for lunch, they might be like, oh, well, I'm going to have a burger and some pizza and whatever it is, because if you're only eating in that six hours, there's only so much food you can kind of get in in that six-hour yeah, window, yeah, yeah. right? So, you know, you could ha have like a whole pizza and burger 
and, and, and fries and like a milkshake. And that could be, you know, 3000 calories. So like for me, I might be able to maintain my body weight and I can boast to people be like, oh man, I eat pizza and burgers and milkshakes and yeah. fries and I'm not losing weight. This is amazing. And people are like, oh, I want to do what you're doing. So that works really well for some folks where they go, oh, great. I can have all these like freedoms in what I eat because I can only eat in this window. And then the outside of those windows, they don't snack, they don't eat, and away they go, right? If you choose not to have burger and pizza and fries, what tends to happen is you just restrict the amount of calories they consume. So you have your normal lunch, your normal dinner, you skip breakfast, you skip, skip the snacks. So kind of similar to our lemon water idea, you're just having less calories, right? So it works really well, okay? Now, this can work really well for people who simply don't like breakfast. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot, yeah, yeah. And for folks who might not enjoy feeling really heavy, yeah. Especially so, if they're going to bed. Like, you don't like to feel heavy before you're going to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And there are some positive feeling effects of, you know, going through a period where you, you don't eat and, you know, your food actually passes through your digestive system and allows everything to kind of like just calm down. You'll find that, you know, maybe like swelling around your midsection like decreases because your your digestive system is like, oh, cool, I can have, have a break. Yeah, right. And when we look at folks who go through, you know, religious events mm-hmm. of, of fasting, yeah. you know, like Ramadan and such, there's often like a spiritual component to that yeah. as well. And people kind of go through that when they do time-restricted eating. They have that kind of spiritual journey similar to those following things like, like Ramadan and other types of, of restrictions in food intake. And that can be quite blissful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and people report things like, oh, I feel energetic and I feel great. Mm. And those things are to be noted where you go, well, yeah, cool, great. Whereas it needs to understand that there are people on the other side who don't have that same experience and have a really shitty time. Yeah, yeah, of course. we're dealing with hunger here. Yeah. You know, we're literally saying, hey, starve yourself. Yeah. Right? For yeah. three quarters of the day, don't eat food. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're hungry and you're staring at food, a morning tea, or you're, you're at a work event and they've got, you know, food out and you're like, oh, my God. Mm. I, like, how am I going to do this? Have an eaten in the morning and now they're bringing out, you know, pizza for- You can smell whatever, it. And, right? Yeah, yeah. That can be hard. Yeah. And sure, you know, your hunger hormones and everything related to your hunger does does, does pan out. You know, you do kind of become routine to it. We go, oh, yeah, I don't feel hungry until it's time to eat. Sure. But that takes a bit of time. There is like the acclimation phase for it. So, for some people, they don't last. You know, they get a couple of days in, they're like, I can't do it. Or they get a couple of weeks in, like I give in. But once you break through that and you're, you're going, great, it could work really well. Okay. So within time-restricted eating, you do get a similar effect with maybe like that low-carb idea where you can see rapid weight loss because you're just reducing your food intake. Depends on the food choices that you have. And you can heavily restrict your calorie intake if you can manage the hunger. So if you can just go for that period of time, great. It works really well for people who like rules. Where you go, hey, this is just rules of my life. I just don't eat between this time and this time. Yep. Yep. It can work well in social settings, mm-hmm. similar, Laura, to what you said about low carb, where you go, oh, yeah, you know, if I'm going somewhere, oh, great, I'm going to this event. It's at 10 a.m. I don't eat until 12. I'm going to be there. I just don't eat. It's yep. what I do. So no snacking, no picking, no nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just don't eat. So there are some benefits in that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It works really well for people who don't like breakfast. Really well for people who, you know, maybe don't enjoy feeling really heavy. So they have like kind of smaller meals. And some people who really feel the effects of that, that bliss, love this type of, of dieting approach. 
as time restricted eating. Yeah. yeah. I do know a few people or that I've read or that I do know as well that went through a time restricted eating phase or a couple of them are still in it or in, a, in that diet purely because of, yeah, going to bed, feeling really full, reflux. It's just, yeah, not a good feeling. You don't get a good night's sleep. Mm. So that affects you the next day. Some people do that for different reasons as well. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I've definitely tried um, intermittent fasting, time restricted yeah, okay. eating in the past. I haven't been able to, to last very long, only a few days. You know, there are people that always report interesting uh, side effects, I guess, from fasting. Like, you know, for example, like a couple months ago when I was, I was uh, unwell, I, I think I went through a period where I kind of lost my hunger. And remember when I was talking about like coffee, I just wasn't craving like coffee the same yeah, okay, way as, yeah. as, I, as I was. And I was like, you know, normally I have that like craving for coffee in the morning, you know, wake up, coffee, right? Yep. Routine. Routine. But as I went through that like period where uh, I was a little bit unwell, hunger wasn't there, I was kind of like self-fasting in a way that craving just wasn't wasn't there so people have these kind of reports where like oh geez i fast and i just i don't have the same desire for sweets or lollies or i don't know coke or cigarettes or alcohol whatever it is you may have that experience as well so there are some you know oddly reported side effects that can happen so give it a try definitely works large populations of people who've had crazy success with it it can be sustainable over a period of time if you enjoy that lifestyle enjoy the rules enjoy the type of eating now when we're talking about um, some limitations very similar to low-carb diets where you're restricting food you're restricting energy and you can feel tired fatigued if you are going to go and train during your fasting windows mm. you're well, that's it when we're right? train, yeah yeah so uh for the best outcomes you would want to train around your feeding windows so if you're going to eat between 12 and 6 p.m., you may want to break your fast with a little bit of food, like let's say that banana idea. You go and train and then you eat your your feeding window so that yeah, okay. your body, when you've breaking, break, broken down your body slightly through training, you are then nourishing it with nutrients so that it can recover and heal and grow. Because if you then train like outside your window, let's say you train at 6 a.m., but then you're not eating until 12, your body's there like, you know, wanting nutrients and energy to grow and and, and food to grow but you're just not giving that so you kind of blunt the kind of muscle building potential and then you can have that similarity with low carbs where you are you know slowly breaking down muscle slowly decreasing your metabolism and then you're stuck to a point where you're only eating like a couple of salads a day and you're like why am i not losing weight because your metabolism is low your muscle mass is is low right so yeah it, it, it can it can not work out when we look at that training side of things Similar with that low-carb approach because we don't have that energy, you know, you're, you might be less likely to go and, you know, do the gardening, clean up the house, go for a walk, fewer steps throughout the day. So, then your net energy output decreases even if your net energy input decreases, right? So, then you're no longer in an energy deficit. You're not losing weight. So, that's some things to appreciate with that type of diet. All right. Let's finish up here talking about plant-based diets. And that's a big umbrella where we're looking at things like vegan, vegetarian, vegetarian with with or without eggs or milk. There's different types of octo and lacto vegetarians. There's pescatarians if you throw in fish and other types and then other like flexitarian ideas where it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of have, you know, chicken every now and then, but I mostly have, you know, vegetarian yeah, foods and yeah. stuff, right? So, there's different levels of plant-based diets, okay? 
And plant-based diets work really well because we're restricting foods that are really high in calories. Yeah, when we're looking at animal-based products like steaks, chickens, and such, because of the fat content in those foods, they are really energy dense. Mm -hmm. So if we remove those foods and replace them with plant-based foods, plants very low in energy compared to animal products. So if you compare, let's say, a 100 grams of chicken, which is, let's say, you know, 150 calories or so, give or take, depending if it's cooked, wherever it is. So let's say that that's the, the equation. That 100 grams of chicken could be equivalent to like multiple kilos of like lettuce and salad, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you might eat 100 grams of chicken and be like, great, it's like a little small, I'm kind of hungry, you know, I'm not really satisfied from having that. Whereas you get through like half a kilo of like your salad and you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm, full. I'm full from this. Yep. So then you're just consuming fewer calories throughout the day and then having a a net outcome of, of weight loss, right? There are some, you know, other health benefits. You're just consuming more fiber, you're consuming more plants, so you're having more um, vitamins and minerals in your day, so you might feel better. Mm. The extra fiber, you know, you might help with your digestive system and your bowel movements, so you might feel really good through those diets. And, you know, some high-protein intakes, because protein takes longer to to break down, takes lots of energy to break down protein. That's why when you have like a, you know, a, a big steak or if you go to like a steakhouse or like a Korean barbecue place and you have lots of protein, you kind of have that like a little bit of like a, a you sit there and you're like, oh, geez, I've just eaten. You know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unbutton the, the yeah. jeans. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like, the protein is literally digesting, right? Yeah, so sitting there. It's, 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 you're taking energy to break that down, yeah. right? And that's what we call that the thermic effect of food. So you might be sitting there, geez, but if you take away that like, heavy protein intake from animal products, your digestive system might enjoy that so you feel more energetic. You're like, oh, wow, I love plant-based diets because I feel good on them, right? And that's a common approach, Yeah. right? So, yeah, really popular plant-based diets. Most go through a plant-based diet because of maybe ethical reasons, yeah. uh, you know, yep. animal cruelty and such. Totally fine. Of you course, know. Yep, yep. Some folks will go down the path of like, oh, it's healthier. Yeah, big, like a little question mark there, you know, on – how you look at that idea like you know there's those documentaries on netflix that got really popular a few years ago uh, or was it through through COVID times it was the game changers documentary yeah, okay. yeah I that got super popular yeah yeah where everyone's like oh great that you know that's it time to go yeah, play base yeah. right and they became really popular on on social media so again it was like cyclical being like oh yeah everyone's gonna do this mm. and then you know just went back in the shadows and there's definitely folks that go through plant-based diets in different different levels, vegan or vegetarian as such, for, you know, a variety of reasons. And all should be respected. Their of reason. course, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes to things like weight loss and maintaining our our, our shape and our physique and our, our fitness, we do face problems with plant-based diets, mainly around our protein intakes. You can get a lot of protein from vegetables, right, or plant-based alternatives. But there is there is a difference when we're comparing, you know, protein from chicken and beef that have, you know, great amino acid profiles, really great for building muscle. And if you compare that to the protein you get in broccoli or yeah, the protein yeah. you get in soy products or, you know, beans and such, mm-hmm. there is a difference in those amino acid profiles and how our body uses those proteins for things like building muscle, right? So you you definitely can get a similar amount of protein, but it can be more challenging. 
we face problems where the digestion of protein can be different, where we're looking at fiber now thrown in. So digesting beans might be different to digesting things like chicken, where sure, it takes longer to digest chicken in the stomach, but then that entering the bloodstream is a little bit different. So there are some problems around that. And then we face problems with other things like vitamin B12 absorption, and that is very linked to energy. So we find that some folks going on plant-based diets end up having lower energy throughout the day, partly because they're consuming fewer calories and fewer like protein intakes, so then they feel more tired and then they decrease their energy, like physical activity levels, resulting in you know, no weight loss. There are some folks who go through a kind of junk vegan phase where they go, oh, well, look, this, you know, chocolate is vegan or this lolly is vegan or like, hey, geez, Coke and sugar is vegan, great, you know. So, people go through a phase where they're like, oh, well, this is vegan. It must be healthy for me, but it's not necessarily healthy per se or it's really high in calories, right? Some folks will be like, great, I'll just do, um, you know, meat alternatives, right? And they're really popular now. You're looking, yeah, you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. For everything, right? yeah. You know, you can get, you know, steaks and, and burger patties and mince alternatives and sausage alternatives, sausages, everything, yep. right? Those foods are probably really great alternatives. Some early versions of those were really high in fats, um, really high in salt as well. So, if you're looking at the health profile of those things where you're like, oh, if you're consuming lots and lots of these and you're trying to be healthy, there's other considerations that have now like flooded your your nutri- nutritional yeah, profile, okay. right? So some things to appreciate when you're choosing a plant based diet, right? Really great for people who love a simple rule. Great, I just don't eat animal products. How easy is that? Mm-hmm. There's loads of tasty vegan vegetarian restaurants now. Yep. Different cuisines. You look at places like you know Indian food. Lots of plant based options yep. there that are super tasty. So it could be helpful for someone who loves to cook because you always have uh, options mm-hmm. to experiment with foods rather than just steak and veg. You're like, hey, yeah. I'm going to make a dal or a curry or a, you know whatever it is. That can also be a limitation where you might find folks who don't like cooking, don't know how to cook. Yeah. So if they want to go plant based, what I'm going to eat just salad every day that's not very exciting no but if they have the skills to cook then they can do lots Mm -hmm. with that and experiment with spices and such right now in terms of limitations some folks really struggle with you know the the taste preference of it where you know if you look at it from a macro level you look at plant-based meat alternatives like sausages and steak why are people craving you know a steak experience right yeah, yep. by by replacing it with a plant-based option it's like but they still want the steak experience, experience and taste yeah. and texture of it texture. or the sausage experience or the mince experience mm-hmm. or whatever it is so you start to wonder okay are we inclined taste wise to want these types of foods is it our upbringing and such so taste preferences is something that we need to appreciate and if you can't replace it with a meat alternative you might struggle following a plant-based diet because you're like, hey, I just I want these foods. I want, you know, a steak or chicken or whatever it is, right? Eating out can be a limitation, even though there is lots of support for plant-based diets now. Yeah, lots of options yep. nowadays. And socially as well can be a challenge for some folks, depending on your environment, where some people are very big proponents of anti-veganism and, you know, the car- carnival diets are on the rise now where people are only eating meat, which is the dumbest thing yeah, ever. Right. <laughs> yeah, so no. Anyway. Not going there. <laughs> Another day. Another day. 
But, you know, there might be people who are like, yeah, I want to try a vegan diet or a plant-based diet or, you know, reduce my meat consumption, but they go out socially or they live in a household where it's routine to have, you know, roast on Sundays and steaks every other day and meat, meats and all their foods. So, they struggle with that type of approach, um, especially if you're living in a household, you know, let's say you're cooking for your partner or they're cooking for you or whatever and you are now looking at different food options and they don't want to. Uh, avoid these food, it can get tricky. It can get, yeah. So, that's something just we need to navigate, right? But what you do tend to see is that folks who do transition to plant-based diets, you know, lose a lot of weight, Mm -hmm. right? And some folks lose it in a positive way. Some folks lose it in a, hey, they're getting really skinny type of way because they reduce their protein intake a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe not replace that with lots of exercise and and weights training to, to build that muscle, but they lose the weight. And they're probably ticking all the health biomarkers and they're, they're probably loving their life, right? But if you're in a situation where you want to develop your physique and build shape and build tone and have that muscular look, you might struggle with a plant-based diet, mainly to get that protein in and the different types of amino acid profiles to build protein effectively. Yeah. Cool. you ever tried a plant-based diet? I think I have dabbled in a little bit, but I think I went down the path of like, it must be a healthier option for me. Mm. Years ago, yep. when you're starting an exercise and you're like, okay, I'm going to grab the the, the vegan stuff or the plant based. I think there wasn't, you know, everything wasn't labeled uh, vegan back then. But you try and get those options, thinking it's the the healthier option. You just mm-hmm. don't read the back, and mm-hmm. so I think I, I believe I have done, but I, I've switched back. Yeah, yeah. I've tried many different diets and things, but mm-hmm. whatever the flavor of the month is at the time. Yeah, yeah. I. I've trialed it a couple of times. I think the first time I got sucked in was I read it in a book. Someone made a quote or a comment or somewhere around being like, you know, gorillas have plant-based diets and they're massive and muscular. So, <laughs> like, you know, it must be good for you too. And I was like, oh, yeah. I okay. want to be a big gorilla. <laughs> and they're like, oh, the biggest animals on the, on the planet, you know, like elephants and stuff. Like, they're only plant-based yeah, right. diets. So, you know, if they're big enough for them, it's good enough for you. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it that, is. That yeah. makes sense. That That's logic I can up. follow. Sign me up. Right? And then it's like, oh, look at meat eaters. And like, you know, you got a little tiger or a little cat. And like, oh, you want to be a little tiger? You want to be like a gorilla? And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got sucked in with that, right? So, yeah. And you, you, it, the logic is there. Like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. You know, look how big they are, the muscular they are, like, sure, whatever. But then you remember, hey, I'm, I'm not a gorilla. <laughs> I'm yeah. And then, you know, in a similar way, it's like, well, you know, you're not really a lion either. So what are you doing here? So we're, we're human and you're average than human. So yeah. um, we're going to appreciate that. So plant based diets. Choose your reason why. It's totally up to you. But when it comes to weight loss, probably the most powerful thing is that you're removing animal-based products that are relatively much more energy-dense compared to plant options. You'll find that if you follow a plant-based diet, you're full a lot because you're eating – you can eat a lot of food within your calorie budget, lots of fiber in there so that you are feeling really full, and lots of nutritious foods, lots of fruits and vegetables and vitamins and minerals, so you're probably feeling really, really good and having really great toilet time as well. So, <laughs> they're always really big positives. Some things to consider is that if you go plant-based, you're more likely to be consuming more carbs mm-hmm. because plants are carbs yep. in all sense. So, you have the reverse effect of the low-carb diet, mm-hmm. right, where you could actually see some weight gain first because you are increasing your glycogen stores in your muscle. So, your muscles might look a little bit bigger because you're eating a lot more plants. And because you have more food in your gut because of the fiber, it digests a little bit slower, 
there's more food in your stomach, small intestine, large intestine, you've got more, you know, bowel movements happening that have yet to come out. So you are heavier because you have more food in your digestive system, right? With that, lots of plants have lots more fluid, water in them. So you might be more hydrated than not. So a mixture of more glycogen in your muscle, right? More sugar in your muscle. So more water in your muscle. You're consuming more water because of water in the food. Plus you have more food in your digestive system means that you end up being heavier on the scales. It's not body fat, yeah, but you're heavier on the yeah. scales. So people who transition to plant-based diets, they're like, oh my God, I've gained, you know, a kilo this week or two kilos this week or, you know, three kilos over the month or whatever it is because they're just consuming more volumes of food, more fiber, more fluid, replenishing their glycogen stores because they might have come off a low-carb diet and now they're consuming this um, or not knowing that they're on a low-carb diet. They have you know, chicken, you know, steak and veg every night for dinner, then they go plant-based, they consume more carbs. So the net effect is that on the scales, their body weight goes up. And for some folks, not cool. No, um, no. Even if they start losing body fat, the difference might be that they've, you know, maintained their body weight over the course of like a month or two. And like, I'm putting all this work in and I'm not losing any weight, but their body fat is technically going down, but they're heavier because they've got more fluid, more food in their, their gut. And that can wreck havoc for motivation. Yeah, of course. And people can't stick to that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, look, let's wrap it up there. We've spoken about low-carb diets, time-restricted eating, and plant-based diets. Laura, do you have anything to say before you head off? Yes. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I need to go with telekinesis. Explain. Moving things with your mind. Why? Because I want to control things while I... I want to control things. Ooh, there you go. That's deep and meaningful. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, like if I'm here, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to drink. Great. My mind, pick it up, drink. Here we go. And then with telekinesis, you can fly because you can just... But are you going to fly or are you going to no? get something to come to you? No, you can mentally pick yourself up and fly. Interesting. Mm. There are other better superpowers out there. Like what? I'm going to have to let you know next week. I'm going to have a thinker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can think about the deep and meaningful behind the superpower. But if you're listening to the podcast, let us know what superpower you'd yeah. like to have. Yeah, or why I went with telekinesis. Yeah, there, yeah, there. yeah. You can unpack that one. Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another one. Bye.